0: Xbox is already restructuring its executive team in the wake of acquiring Activision Blizzard. For October 27th, 2023, this is Let's Play Daily Gaming News. Hey, what's going on? My name's Nate Bender, and welcome to Let's Play, a daily gaming news podcast where we run down everything you need to know from the gaming world in about five minutes. Coming up, Nintendo is getting even more draconian with their social media guidelines. Embracer continues to slash staff, and we'll check out the week that was in video game news with the Friday replay. While Microsoft has been reportedly hands-off with most of their new acquisitions, that might be changing soon due to some executive reorganization at Xbox. With Matt Booty, the previous head of Xbox Game Studio, receiving a promotion to President of Game Content and Studios. And with this new promotion, Booty will now be the head of Xbox Game Studio, Zenimax, and Bethesda. It's being assumed that this change is partly due to the poor reception of Redfall earlier this year. Arcane Austin's multiplayer Vampire open-world Left 4 Dead clone left a lot to be desired and shipped in a near-unplayable state. A report from Bloomberg earlier this year also confirmed that Arcane Austin suffered from a lack of direction with Redfall. That being said, though, it's unclear what kind of direction Booty could have made to help Redfall's development. Other changes to the Xbox executive team include Sarah Bond becoming president of Xbox overseeing the Xbox platform, as well as Microsoft's chief marketing officer Chris Capicello leaving the company. These executive changes also follow former head of publishing from Bethesda Pete Hines' sudden departure last week, retiring after 24 years at Bethesda to take time to enjoy life. Overall, this is the first major restructuring we've seen at Xbox, and with CEO of Activision Blizzard Bobby Kotick scheduled to leave at the end of this year, we'll most likely see other major changes in the executive management at Xbox in the new year. Apparently, Nintendo wasn't done this week with updating their draconian terms of service. On top of taking aim at small esports tournaments, Nintendo has made clear their intentions to crack down on supposed copyright infringement, with Nintendo explaining that they will be issuing DMCA takedowns and legal notices for any quote content that features unauthorized game consoles and or software not licensed by Nintendo, or features video, images, sound sources, etc. that cannot be used in regular gameplay, extracted through game software via data mining or other methods. This is a lot of content that sort of existed in a legal gray area, such as emulation, which most retro streamers and speedrunners use to play decades-old games that aren't available any other way. This TOS change is also so vague that it could potentially encompass social media posts and even journalistic coverage of content that was data mined from Nintendo's games. And while Nintendo does have the right to defend their intellectual property, I'll say again what I said yesterday. Nintendo is relying on courts and precedent to be their enforcement mechanism, and they don't have the money to fight every single person who has ever downloaded an emulator. Nintendo is just trying to throw their weight around and bully people into compliance without ever having to actually enforce this mostly unenforceable garbage. So really, Nintendo's biggest gamble here is that they believe you can't or won't defend yourself. The fallout between Embracer Group and the supposed $2 billion deal with Saudi's Savvy Games Group continues, with Embracer Group just taking a pound of flesh from each studio under its umbrella. Yesterday, Embracer cut 10% of the workforce at Hungry-based animation studio Digic, laying off 35 staff in total. An Embracer spokesperson did confirm that this layoff is linked to the overall restructuring that Embracer is going through. Though, instead of outlining how Embracer is going to support the affected staff at Digic, the spokesperson continued to add that Digic will be retaining some of those affected through freelance contracts, basically firing people so that they can hire them back immediately just without benefits. The spokesperson cited that they will be, quote, increasing the flexibility of the company's operations, despite the fact that flexibility is only with employees' health benefits and paid time off. Overall, Digic is the sixth studio at Embracer so far and the second one this month to face layoffs. And there doesn't seem to be an end to Embracer's, quote, restructuring program. All right, it's Friday, and this is where we like to check out some podcast reviews. This one comes to us from Username99, who left a five-star review on Podchaser. Username99 says, quote, Gaming journalism is one of those industries that takes a lot of integrity not to sell your soul. Let's Play in the last two years is nothing but integrity. Nate does editorialize, but he lines out the brass tacks of each story with the unique spin of doing so in less than 10 minutes each day. It truly takes talent to truncate information like this and still convey all of the information. Congrats on two years. Thank you so much, Username99, but I can't take all of the credit. That truncating is done every single day by the wonderful and talented Aaron Pillin. So thank you, Aaron, for all of your work on Let's Play throughout these two years. Also, congrats to you on two years. If you want to leave us a review that we can read here on Fridays, you can go over to Apple. Podcasts, Audible, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Podchaser, or Amazon, and leave us a review. All right, with it being Friday, let's check out some of the biggest stories from this week in gaming with the Friday Replay. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. Friday, FaZe Clan, the first eSports organization to become a publicly traded company, was acquired. The eSports conglomerate GameSquare is acquiring FaZe Clan for $17 million. Though GameSquare's largest investors, the Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, is footing $10 million of the deal. GameSquare's plans seem to be focused on restoring Phase Clan to its former glory and trying to make that happen by reinstating Phase Clan's founders Richard Benningston and Thomas Oliveira as executives of the acquired company. GameSquare CEO Justin Kenna also commented on the acquisition to Bloomberg's Cecilia D'Anastasio, citing that acquiring FaZe Clan will result in $18 million in cost savings for GameSquare. Meaning it was cheaper to acquire FaZe Clan for its social media reach than it was to pay FaZe Clan to advertise and promote GameSquare's numerous eSports ventures. Overall, this is probably the best case scenario that FaZe Clan could hope for. After going public last July with the initial valuation of $1 billion, FaZe Clan's stock cratered giving the esports industry a masterclass on how social media influence doesn't always equate to profitability, because FaZe Clan's only real revenue source was sponsorships. So having no real business plan that generates revenue means shareholders aren't going to invest, which ultimately resulted in FaZe Clan stock trading as low as 18 cents per share, putting FaZe in a situation where they were facing bankruptcy and delisting from the stock exchange. Kind of rare to see, but Consolidation actually saved FaZe Clan from what seemed like an inevitable closure. Tempe, Arizona-based quality assurance studio Xperis Game Solutions is the latest gaming company to seek unionization this year. Though it was staff from the Milwaukee offices that started the ball rolling, with unionizing staff petitioning the National Labor Relations Board last Friday for a union election. If successful, Experius Game Solutions employees will be forming under a union we haven't covered here on Let's Play, the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 10. Staff have cited that they are unionizing to tackle certain issues like pay disparity, fixing their work-life balance, and ridding the workplace of health and safety issues. Though pay disparity seems to be their major sticking point, with unionizing staff blatantly demanding not just a livable wage, but a family-supporting wage. The last major issue staff want to address with Experius is addressing why management and job recruiters have been giving out misleading information to lure people into these jobs. Overall, when experienced employees are successful with their union election, they will become either the seventh or eighth video game union in America, depending on which union election finishes first. But the fact that we have multiple union elections happening at the same time in the video game industry is a great sign. It shows that video game workers are actually waking up and fighting back against this rigged system. Hopefully, this momentum continues into 2023 and the video game industry finally starts addressing these workplace problems and grievances. Early Monday morning, Amazon's Prime Video released a teaser video about the upcoming Fallout TV series. While we didn't get a flashy montage of the cast or witty lines of out-of-context dialogue, we did get a Pit boy animation that revealed April 12, 2024, as the release date. There was also a stream of code that flashed on screen prior to the date reveal, which some are suspecting is hiding Easter eggs about the Fallout TV series. Though no one, as of yet, has deciphered the code, and I have my doubts that the code will reveal much more than we already know about the Fallout TV series. We've seen confirmation that Twin Peaks is Kyle MacLachlan, Yellowjackets, Ella Pernell, and The Shield's Walton Goggins are all starring in the Fallout series. And the one tidbit of information we got on the setting is that the series will detail the events of Vault 33, which is located in Los Angeles, and will be exploring the time just after the bombs fell on October 23rd, 2077. Overall, I'm actually really excited to see what Amazon does with the Fallout series. This could be another hit that resonates with gamers and non-gamers alike, just like The Last of Us did, showing those uninterested in gaming the depth and scope of the storytelling that exists in video games. And again, the Fallout TV series will be streaming exclusively on Amazon Prime Video on Friday, April 12, 2024. Yesterday, Nintendo updated their guidelines for community tournaments for Nintendo games. And in typical Nintendo fashion, they've put up a lot of restrictions. So if you want to put on what Nintendo is coining a, quote, community tournament, you must follow the following rules. 1. In-person events are capped at 200 participants a day. This cap is increased for 300 for online events. Two entry fees for participants are capped at $20 a person. 3. Prizes cannot exceed $5,000 in market value. 4. Tournament organizers cannot give out more than $10,000 in prizes in a calendar year. And 5. Entry fees for spectators are capped at $15 a person. Along with this list of restrictions, Nintendo also lists out stipulations on how organizers can market their tournaments. The biggest glaring stipulation is that Nintendo is restricting tournaments from using proceeds for anything. Other than covering the costs of the event, meaning Nintendo is forcing tournaments to run like nonprofit organizations, though without the tax cuts and the government subsidies. The other issue with these guidelines is Nintendo threatens legal action if community tournaments violate them. Nintendo also conveniently washes their hands of responsibility for any problems that may occur, telling organizers, participants, and spectators that they will not be the arbiters of disputes between these three parties. So, essentially, all Nintendo did here was put an arbitrary low cap on tournament growth, all while lining a road with eggshells that organizers must traverse in order to put on an event. But here's the thing. Nintendo has no enforcement mechanism here other than relying on the courts. And while Nintendo has deep pockets, they're certainly not infinite. I'm not sure that if I was a tournament organizer I wouldn't try to call this bluff especially if multiple tournaments take this tact what is clear though is that this will further stifle the grassroots esports scene behind games like Super Smash Brothers and choke out many smaller tournament organizers in the process All right, that's it for today's episode of Let's Play. Make sure you subscribe so you can come back on Monday for even more video game news. Follow us on TikTok at Let's Play Gaming News and leave us a podcast review on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Podcast Addict, Castbox, PodChaser, and Amazon. Story selection and writing by Aaron Pillen. You can follow him on Blue Sky at Lloyd FFXI. You can follow me on Twitter at Nate Benderama and catch me streaming on Twitch at Twitch.tv/slash Limit Break Radio. My name's Nate Bender. Keep listening.